0: People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGoal to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. more games to come in game week 37, two big games for teams at the bottom of the table today. I've got Jake Osgathorpe with me once again and we're here to help inform your predictions and find value in the betting markets. How are you Jake? Yeah good thank you Ben, how are you? Yeah not too bad, I think it's going to be relatively short and sweet today with two fixtures. We're maybe just trying to prolong the the, the, the Premier League insights for the year and just get as many episodes in before the end of the season as we can but <laughs> As I said, two big games for, for teams down the bottom. Are you ready to get into it?
1: Yeah, two good games. Let's get started.
0: Right, so we've got Watford versus Manchester City. And I mean, it's a a massive game for, for Watford. A win for them would would really give them a huge push to safety. Aston Villa are obviously kicking off their game a little bit later into the evening. But it's, it's likely to be one of those two that goes down along with Norwich and Bournemouth. Um, I'm not really quite sure what's going on at the club. The, the result against West Ham was obviously very disappointing, but I find it difficult to justify sacking the man who's who's managed you through what is quite a decent recovery when you look at it with just two games left in the season it's It's a real strange one for me, but they're now the the first club in Premier League history to sack three permanent managers in the same season, and I think that that tells you everything you need to know about how this campaign has gone for them um Manchester City meanwhile. Equally disappointing, obviously they have much greater expectations, but not a great season for them either. Um, they had the the high of the UEFA ban being overturned, but since then it's all been a bit downhill. I mean, they, they got the win against Bournemouth, but they put up just 0.59 XG, which it's their worst attack performance for quite some time, maybe even since Pep even started as manager. Um, but then after that, they went, went and lost 2-0 to Arsenal in the FA Cup final. Second place is secured for them. It's all about the Champions League now, isn't it? Um, What that means for team selection for this game, I don't really know. I don't think you ever really know what Pep's going to do. The points don't matter too much for them, but I think they are going to want to put some good performances in before that tie with Real Madrid. And then maybe what comes after that in August. As you'd expect, the market thinks that Man City are good for the win here. Normally, we'd we'd see betters lose a bit in, bit of confidence in a team after they've they've lost like they did against Arsenal. But with the news coming out of Watford and the the manager change there, it's obviously shifted things a little bit. That said, there is still a bit of a drift on City. They were around seventy five percent chance of the win before the weekend. They're now down to 72 percent chance with odds of one point three five two. Uh, Watford are given a twelve percent chance of getting a vital win with their odds of eight point one seven. And you can get the draw at 5.76, which is around about 17% chance. Pinnacle has the goals mark at 3 and 3.5. As it always is for City, the, the market is expecting a few goals here. But is there a value play for you in this one?
1: Um, yeah, I think, I think there is. I think especially in the goals market, not so much in the 1x2. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a strange weekend really for Watford. Um, I didn't think they were too bad against West Ham. West Ham were extremely clinical with the chances in that game. Uh, I think they were... 3-0 up from uh, chances equating to around 0.5 expected goals. And, and by then, the game was already over. So, um, you know, it wasn't the worst performance, but, you know, they were lacking intensity in that first half. But to go and sack the manager who'd literally dragged you from, um, you know, the bottom of the table with the one win prior to Pearson taking over um, to almost within three points from safety is is baffling, really, with two games to go. Um and it was, you know, sort of ironic that the rumours of his of his dismissal were circulating during uh, Bournemouth's defeat to Southampton, which was obviously a great result for Watford. Um, it, it means that they're three points above uh, Bournemouth with a better goal difference and a game in hand. So, a point in this game would relegate Bournemouth, and then it'd just be a straight shootout between themselves and Villa. So, very strange um, timing of the timing of it. Um, the fact that they even sacked him was bizarre to me. I mean, I did a little bit of digging into the um, underlying numbers. Uh, before Nigel Pearson took over uh, and since uh, I think he took over on the fourteenth of December, his first game um was at Liverpool, so he oversaw, i think it's twenty games, so we've got a pretty even sample either side um of before and after um and in terms of the the underlying numbers they were averaging 1.2 expected goals for per game uh, and 1.8 expected goals against per game before he took over. Um, And ever since he's taken charge, he've averaged 1.46 expected goals for per game and 1.42 expected goals against per game. So he's increased their attacking output uh, by around 0.2 expected goals and decreased their uh, defensive output by around 0.4 expected goals. So there's been a real impressive swing um, from a severely negative process to a a marginally positive process under Nigel Pearson which uh, shows you just how good a job he was doing. Um, Since his appointment Watford have have sat ninth in our expected goals table based on expected points um, and they've been the seventh best home team in the Premier League um, according to the same metric so Bizarre for them to sack him at this period of time. they just won the last two home matches. Um, They've been fancying the chances of getting something against the Manchester City team who, like you said, have nothing to play for um, and have had issues away from home recently. So it was very strange to get rid of the manager who seems to have galvanised the club and um, got them pulling in the right direction. Very strange call. Um, Hayden Mullins is now tasked with uh, being caretaker manager for the second time this season. Pretty tough game to get started and, and motivate your players. Um, but like I have said, the underlying numbers at home have been pretty impressive all season long. Uh, around one point seven six expected goals for per game is what they're creating, which is uh, is really impressive. And seventy percent of the total points this season have come at Vicarage Road, so you know that's really been um, the place where they've they've hang, been hanging the hat in terms of their fight for survival. Man City. Um, I didn't think they were too bad against Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final, especially the second half. Uh, Arsenal just managed to do the same thing that they did against uh, Liverpool in the league on the Wednesday prior. So that was basically take very few shots uh, and convert pretty much all of them. Um, I think the Liverpool game, Arsenal had three shots and scored twice in in the City game. They had four shots and scored twice. So um, it wasn't the worst performance from Man City, but they've had an issue... It, it, all season long in terms of not the amount of chances that they're conceding, but the quality of those chances. I think around 14% of all the chances that Manchester City concede are, are, are big chances. So big big chances we define as, uh, as a shot that has a greater than a 0.35 expected goals um, rating. Uh, and, like you said, that result followed a pretty poor display against Bournemouth um in which they lost the x g battle and you said there that it was uh, probably one of the worst attacking displays. I had a little look and it's the worst attacking display since april twenty nineteen um which was at old Trafford in a two 0 win so um yeah, just shows you how poor they were on the night. they did rotate in that game and and I do have to or well, you have to think what what is he going to do ahead of this match um He's got two options really. You can either step up the game, play a full strength team, and, and try and fine tune things ahead of that second leg with Real Madrid in the Champions League, or you can see you can use more rotation, wrap up a few key players in cotton wool, the likes of De Bruyne, Laporte, who have had lengthy injuries um, over the last couple of years, to avoid injury ahead of that game and and coast through the last two matches. Really intriguing to see what happens. Um, knowing Pep or you know knowing of Pep Guardiola and and, and his sort of tactics in, previous coaching jobs, I think he'll go all out and try and win the last two matches just to get that sort of momentum back. Uh, but away from home, they have been vulnerable. They've averaged around 1.3 expected goals against per game, uh, but they do create a, an absolute bucket load of chances when they travel away. Uh, 2.6 expected goals, 4 per game. And we've seen that in the last couple of weeks uh, against Brighton. They racked up nearly 5 expected goals. At Southampton, it was 3.5 expected goals. So You know, I think whatever team he puts out, we're going to see a Man City team creating chances. Um, Given the circumstances, it's a much bigger game for for Watford than it is for Manchester City. Um, We don't know what the impact of the sacking is going to have on the team. Uh, But like I've said already, at at home is where they uh, play their best stuff, from an attacking standpoint especially. Um, And they're playing against a vulnerable City team. So I do quite like the look of of both teams to score in this. Uh, It's... A fairly short price at around 1.75, uh, which is around a 55% chance. The model thinks it should be around 60%, so you've got around a 5% margin of value there in backing both teams to score. I think that that will happen in this match. Um, you mentioned there the goal line as well, which is, um, as you would expect for a Manchester City game, 3-3.5. Three and, three and a half. Um, Over 3.5, I think you can back that around 226 Around a 43% chance and, and the model thinks there's around a 46% chance of seeing over three and a half goals, uh, which is around a 2.17. So valuing backing over 3.5, um, it is worth pointing out as well that the, the last seven meetings between these two sides in all competitions has been seen an aggregate scoreline of, of 33-3 to City, um, including obviously an 8-0 win earlier in uh, in the season that the Etihad. So... Watford are an opponent that City do quite like to play against in terms of racking up goals. Obviously you think back to the 6-0 win in the FA Cup final as well. They've got a really good recent history against Watford and and I think they've won 5-0 at Vicarage Road a couple of times recently as well. So I won't be surprised to see um City ramp up um you know a really big uh win against the Watford team that you know could be severely hampered due to the fact that the the manager who had galvanized them has been sacked.
0: Did you say thirty-three to three? Yeah, it's
1: baffling, isn't Goodness. it? Uh, Goodness yeah. me! Eight nil, six nil, three one, three one, six nil, five nil. It's just crazy the amount of goals they've scored against Watford.
0: Well, so let's obviously that's quite a daunting stat to go into the game for for Watford. If you're Hayden Mullins, you're thinking about stuff like that, and obviously how big this game is. I'm not sure what the latest on Troy Deeney is. Whether that's his actual value to the team he obviously scores a few goals and there's a lot around this kind of mental aspect to his game and the ability to kind of g players up but putting that to one side for a minute um how does Hayden Mullins approach this game how does he go out and what does he do does he put 10 men behind the ball from five minutes in and, and try and scrape a draw? Does he even think about going for a win? What's what's the approach, do you think?
1: That's that's a really difficult question to answer. I mean, recent results would suggest that you sit 10 men behind the ball and counter-attack. Like Southampton, obviously, um, they got fortunate, as we've mentioned many times, but that's what, that was their approach. They scored a goal and, and sort of sat in. Arsenal did the same at Wembley in the FA Cup. Um but I think he's probably going to be looking at this game and thinking if we can get a point from this, we're we're in a really good position because a point would take them four clear of Villa who then would have to avoid defeat against Arsenal a couple of hours later, uh, piling all the pressure onto Villa. And it could well be that a point would be enough to save them um, and they, they could stay up on Tuesday. It could be confirmed depending on the results. So um, I think... If you go toe to toe with this city team, whoever's playing, whether it's rotated or not, they will more than likely absolutely hammer you. So, I think it's going to be a cautious approach. I think they've got the players to do that. You know, they're quite it can be quite a defensive minded team, um, and they also have the players on the counter attack. You know, ismail Asar and and Danny Welbeck are pretty quick in behind on the counter attack. I think they showed that against Norwich a couple of weeks ago. So, um, I think that's probably going to be the way that they set up. I think if I remember rightly, they did exactly the same at the Etihad and still got beat 8-0. So um, it's a, it's going to be a really difficult night for Hayden Mullins to, to try and set his team up and to motivate them, given um, given what's happened.
0: Right, well, let's get on to Aston Villa versus Arsenal. As we said, these two games, very kind of closely related, very impactful. The the early result potentially on the evening result. I'm not sure if Villa want to watch that game or pay attention to the to the result that comes out of that, but... They're right in the mix down the bottom as well. You I don't think they can be too concerned with what Watford do. All they've got to do is, is try and focus on getting a result themselves. We've talked about them getting a bit better since the break, and and they were really unlucky in their last game against Everton not to not to get the win. And had they got three points there, then it would have obviously just been one point. And then we're almost certain to to go in then to the final day of the season, maybe with Bournemouth in the mix as well. As it stands, three points is the gap. Villa also have a worse goal difference so the pressure is on to really get a good result against an Arsenal side who have been on a, a pretty decent run of form since the break. They they started with two losses against Manchester City and Brighton but since then they've managed four wins in six league games. They've beaten Sheffield United and Man City in the Cup. The, they obviously got that big win against Liverpool, looks great on paper but it's it's another one where they didn't really create much going forward and at the moment, it seems like a lot of their results are kind of forged on defensive mistakes, clinical finishing and, and some decent performances from there. their standing keeper, Martinez, that, that has helped them get the results. That said, the market has bought into them since that win against Manchester City. Their, their odds on now 1.990, around a 50% chance. The draw is 3.97, so about a 24% chance. And, and Pinnacle has Aston Villa at 3.66, which is a 26% chance. We have seen a, a few goals in, in Arsenal's recent matches, but they've, they've tended to be quite tight affairs. And, and the market thinks this one is, is one where we could have potential for a few goals as well. It's got over 2.5 and 3, and that's seeing the most action in the market. What do you reckon for this one? Can Can Arsenal continue that good run with still some dodgy performances or, or will Will Villa really shake things up in the relegation battle?
1: Again, this is a really tough game to call because although Villa have not really picked up too many good results since the restart, uh, I think they've picked up seven points, uh, the performances have actually been pretty impressive. Um, and as for Arsenal there, uh, They've picked up plenty of points since the restart and they look to be heading in the right direction, but their performances have been equally unimpressive. Uh, I mean, if you just turn to the expected goals table since the restart, Aston Villa sits 7th in our in our XG table according to expected points. Arsenal sit 11th. So Villa have actually performed better post-break uh, than Arsenal. They've actually got the better process as well, um, averaging 1.2 expected goals, 4, and 1.05 expected goals against to Arsenal's 1.13, 1.43 so, the you know, from what we've seen recently, it's Aston Villa who have been uh, the better of the two teams post-break, despite the fact that Arsenal have picked up around seven more points than them. So, um, andra getting a lot of plaudits for wins against uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. But as I mentioned previously, those two wins were um, almost, not, I will not quite say anomalies, but they were definitely flukes. Um, I mean, to have three shots in a game, against Liverpool equating to 0.78 expected goals and scoring twice is pretty impressive and and it's not the sort of thing that you expect to see very often. And Then they go and do it again against Manchester City, just the four shots for um, two goals, again conceding loads of chances and and I I don't think that's a sustainable way of playing football. I don't think Mikel Arteta thinks it's a sustainable way of playing football and getting results. Um, That's why he's been onto the board recently and, and saying that he needs support, he needs money. Um, just because we're getting results doesn't mean that everything's fine and dandy. And, and I think he's spot on. He knows what he's seen. And, and um, I'm a little bit wary to back them at these prices, even at um, Aston Villa. Like I've said, Aston Villa have been um, really impressive since the restart. They were unfortunate not to beat Everton. Um, the only game in which they've been comfortably beaten, according to expected goals, is against Manchester United, uh, against Liverpool. They lost the XG battle by 0.13. they won the XG battle against Wolves, um, won the XG battle against Newcastle and Sheffield United. Um, so th- there's a lot of positives for Villa to take. Uh, the issue is that they've not converted those good results into points. And that's why they're in a bit of a tricky predicament in the fact that if Watford do get a result against Manchester City, then Aston Villa are going to have to either equal that result or better it. Uh, you probably have to say better it given the, the um, goal difference. Um, of Villa heading into the final couple of matches. So it, it is, it's, this really is a win or bust, you would ima- imagine, depending on what happens. But they have got some positives coming into the game. As I've mentioned, defensively, they've been really impressive since the restart. Um, they've allowed just 1.05 expected goals against per game. Only Wolves and Manchester United have a better defensive record, according to expected goals, since the restart. Um, Villa unfortunate to have conceded ten times in in those eight matches um but it's come up a bit of a price really one of the things that we have labeled with uh, villa with all season long has been a really poor defense but um are one of the better attacking teams in the bottom five and bottom six um now they've got a really strong defensive process but their attacking numbers have suffered as as a result so they've gone from um averaging around one point five expected goals four per game to just one point two one so quite a quite a drop off for a team that that are playing on fine margins at the minute. Um, They're going to have to open up and have a go at some point. They obviously were pretty impressive against Everton, as I've already mentioned. Unfortunately, not to get the three points, which would have been a massive boost for them. But prior to that, they fully deserved the victory against Crystal Crystal Palace. And and as we've said, they had pretty tough uh, run of fixtures after the restart. They played, obviously, Sheffield United who were, um, I think they were sixth at the time, Wolves, who were in the top six, Liverpool, Man United. So, um, you know, I think they've done okay, given the fact that they've had a a real tough schedule and it doesn't get any easier, really, with a a home game against Arsenal, followed by a visit to West Ham, who, to be fair, could already be safe, depending on results. So, um, it's quite a big game. I think they'll try and keep it tight, as they have done the last or they, as they have done since the restart, that seems to be working for them. If, if they can keep a clean sheet, you've got every chance of nicking a goal. Um, and they're coming up against an Arsenal side who have really struggled since the restart to create chances. I know we, we, we're lording them for their defensive solidity and the fact that they have been hard to break down, but they're not actually being hard to break down. Um, they're conceding good chances regularly and it's just a couple of teams haven't punished them. You know, um, Wolves pretty much drew the XG battle against Arsenal, um, but were punished two clinical goals from Arsenal. Wolves didn't take the chances. Uh, Leicester got a fair draw in, in a game where Arsenal, again, didn't create too much after uh, in the second half. Spurs limited Arsenal to 0.7 expected goals and, and created 2 2.05. As we've said already, Liverpool created 2.5 expected goals and managed to only score once to Arsenal's 0.78. So they are winning games with fine margins and and, and a fair amount of luck they've only created seven non-penalty big chances since the restart in their um in their I think they've played eight times now uh, which isn't good enough for a team that's got such good attacking talent um averaging 1.13 expected goals four per game is, is one of the lowest totals in the league uh I think only burnley everton and norwich have created fewer um, expected goals or per game since arsenal uh, than arsenal since the restart so there's, there's obviously massive improvements still to be made for, for Arsenal, especially in attacking areas and trying to find that balance between a solid defense and the um, you know a pretty potent attack. And you know since the restart, the only teams in which they've really deserved to, to get three points against have been Norwich, who were obviously down tools, they're already relegated, uh, and Southampton, in which the the goalkeeper Alex McCarthy gifted them two goals all the other matches uh, they've, they've lost the XG battles against Liverpool Tottenham and Manchester City um, marginally won it against Brighton uh, marginally won it against Wolves and then and the same against Leicester so none of the three pretty much all of the matches apart from those two have been very very even if not um, in their opposition's favour so there's there is a lot for Arsenal to improve on and, and for, the, for that reason really and the fact that they played uh, Saturday to to when, uh, Tuesday and Villa have had a, pretty much a week off. Uh, I don't think I can get on board with Arsenal at those prices. I think given the fact that both teams are, are taking a much more defensive-minded approach and being more difficult to break down could lead to a low-scoring game. Um, having said that, if the, if there is an early goal against Aston Villa, they're going to have to open up and, and have a go at Arsenal. So the, the model thinks that Overs is, is a value play pre-match. I personally would wait until uh, until the game is in play and just to see what like get a feel for the match. If there is an early goal, then I would think about playing the over two and a half line. Um but given what we've seen recently from the two teams, unders would be um my recommendation, especially um looking at p- potentially a half-time nil-nil given uh, both teams decent defensive um record since the break. Um I think as I've said already Arsenal at those prices around 1.9 uh, 1.99, I think uh, they're way too short. I think everyone's on the Arsenal bandwagon again. Their away form this season has been pretty wretched. Um, I think they've, they've won just four times away from home in 18 matches, so the fact that they get, you're getting them at odds-on is, is baffling. Um, even since Arteta came in, they've not exactly been brilliant away from home. I think they they've obviously drew away at Bournemouth. Uh, I think they picked up two wins against Wolves and, and Southampton, but other than that, they've Really struggled away from home, lost to Brighton, lost to Manchester City, lost to Tottenham. Um, so they're not a very good travelling team and I think that, that potentially hasn't been factored into the into the prices given the fact that Arsenal are on such a good run and everyone's looking at the recent form and seeing that they've beaten Liverpool and Man City and getting a little bit carried away. So um, I'd definitely try and get Aston Villa on side, whether it be plus 0.5 in the Asian handicap, double chance, whether you can get them on. Uh, a bigger handicap plus one, maybe if if you're still getting a decent price for that, that that would be definitely uh, my best bet in this game.
0: Well, I asked you, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before about the top four and and who would make the top four out of Leicester and Manchester United. I think I can't remember if Chelsea were in that question as well. But same applies now. I'll put you on the spot a little bit. The the three that are still in the running down the bottom to go down. I know you spend day in, day out with the info goal model, but without being influenced by that too much, who is it that out of Bournemouth, Villa and Watford, who do you think stays up? Is it, is it Watford's to lose, do you reckon?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of it is going to be determined by fixtures. I think obviously Watford have got Man City and Arsenal, but on paper that looks like a, a pretty tough run. But Man City technically aren't playing for anything. Um, Arsenal, Depend on the result against Villa, they could. If they draw that, for example, they can't then finish in Europa League spot, and they could well rest for the FA Cup final. Um, so they could potentially turn out to be two decent fixtures. Um, if, if Villa get a result against Arsenal, then they they have a, a West Ham team who could still be in, in with a shout of being relegated. Um, so that makes that final game, you know, all the more interesting. But I think given um, given what's what's happening and um, I think the, the I think Bournemouth are going to be relegated, uh, and, and then out of out of Watford and Aston Villa, I would have to side with Aston Villa. I think that Watford have got a little bit more quality um, and capacity to get a result and actually win a match. Aston Villa have struggled with that all season long, um, but a lot. I think it basically, if Villa get a result against Arsenal, then um, I would fancy them to potentially cause a bit of an upset at, at West Ham um, because what we don't know what sort of state of mind Watford are going to be in. Um, I think it is a strange decision to sack the manager at this time it could really upset the apple cart um and it could well prove their their downfall i wonder if there i think there's rumours of obviously a a fallout between pearson and, and the pozzo family um but i wonder if they sort of that was one factor but i think they maybe looked at the fixtures and thought we're already safe with a 3 point cushion which is a very dangerous position to be in um and especially if manchester city beat them heavily the goal difference all of a sudden their advantage um, I think I think they're on about a plus four goal difference advantage. If they lose that Man City game five 0 and, uh, and Villa get a win against Arsenal, all of a sudden they're in the bottom three, heading into into another game against Arsenal. So, if you had to put me on the spot, I would probably say the bottom three stays as it is. Um, but I would like to maybe reassess that ahead of the, the Sunday game, uh, the final rounds, just just after I've seen Watford's um, sort of how they play under Hayden Mullins and how the players respond to the sacking
0: well of course we will be here for that and and that's it for today's game and and we will be back again tomorrow and we'll be looking at Manchester United versus West Ham and Liverpool versus Chelsea thanks for the time today Jake and I'll I'll speak to you tomorrow
1: excellent thanks Ben
0: thank you to everyone for listening as well if you do want to take a look at a look at the stats that we've discussed on today's podcast you can visit infogold.net Follow at Info Goal App on Twitter and download the app on iOS and Android. The Pinnacle Live Scores app is also available on iOS and Android, so if you're looking to bet in play, download it today and you can take your live betting experience to the next level. All of the odds for the upcoming Premier League fixtures are available on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets and please gamble responsibly.